Well, continuing our series in Mark this morning, we come to the story of Bartimaeus in Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. Listen carefully to the holy, infallible word of God. And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up. He is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Congregation, let's pray. Our Lord and our God, what a glorious story before us. Help us, O oh Lord, this morning to have eyes that see, that our faith would be so stimulated and attached to our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That thy spirit would be that which ignites us in the life of discipleship. In Christ's name, amen. The final two sequences in Mark's narrative, prior to our Heavenly Father's precious Son entering Jerusalem, is masterfully placed before us. The last time we were together, Christ has his disciples alone and declares the ultimate purpose for his coming into the world. In chapter 10, verse 45, he tells them that the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. There are many terms that the Holy Spirit uses in Scripture to describe our precious union with Jesus Christ. In chapter 10, 45, Christ's own words describes 
what the term redemption means. We talk about that. We talk about we being redeemed in Christ. Well, what does that mean? It means that Christ's blood sacrifice, which is about to occur on the cross, is the ransom payment that redeems the guilty sinner from the debts of their sin. This comes as God's free gift, a free gift of grace in Christ to the sinner without any cost of payment out of the pockets of the sinner. Indeed, Christ is the embodiment of God's servant theme in the history of redemption. Although Christ alone accomplishes such redemption, Christ has been telling the disciples that the mode of existence in their life and in the life of the church must be living the pattern of servanthood to each other as ordained by Jesus himself in his very life. Well, now that Christ has forecasted the precise purpose and meaning of his coming into the world, pointing us to his activity in Jerusalem, we are now presented with the healing of a blind beggar, Bartimaeus. Why is this event so crucial that it occurs after Christ's statement about his atoning ransom price for guilty sinners. Because God is telling his disciples and each of us how redeemed sinners will receive Christ's sacrifice of service for sin. The wonderful and glorious gift of redemption is received by faith alone on the part of the sinner. And Christ's action of service to Bartimaeus will demonstrate this. In terms of the incidents of true faith in Christ recorded by Marx, so thus far in his gospel, Bartimaeus is now the high point. The high point. This, this story is the last miracle performed by Christ recorded by Mark. And Bartimaeus is the only person whose name appears in the entire gospel who is healed as well as coming to saving faith. Are you willing now to look into your heart to grasp what saving faith truly looks like? You say you believe in Christ. You say you have faith in Jesus. Are you willing to examine this morning your faith in terms of this story? How rich, how deep is your faith? This is not easy believism. 
We are talking about faith in the one who has brought and achieved the final, the final consummated redemption and salvation of God's chosen people through the cross and the empty grave. The revelation of the eternal fruits of faith is before you this morning. The story is packed, is packed. See your life in Bartimaeus. Do not leave this morning. Do not leave this morning without a serious examination of your own personal faith in Christ. Let me remind you of one more incident before we looked specifically at Bartimaeus. The second section of Mark's gospel is bracketed by the, by the issue of blindness. They are bookends of this second section. Remember the healing of the blind man at Bethsaida began this particular section of Mark's gospel back in chapter 8, verses 22 through 26. That story opened the second section of this gospel. And now the second section closes just before Jesus draws near to Jerusalem. Chapter 11, verse 1. It closes with the healing of a blind man as Jesus leaves Jericho. Our text here this morning. There's your brackets. Do you recall that Jesus touched the blind man at Bethsaida twice in order for him to see? What was the point of Jesus touching his eyes two times? Because being able to see physically with your eyes is not enough in coming to understand Jesus Christ and his kingdom. A person's eyes must also be opened spiritually. A true supernatural union with the person of Christ and his kingdom must take place in the heart of the person. So it is. The second touch points us to what Christ has been saying to the disciples throughout this whole gospel. They need eyes that actually see. Eyes that actually see. They need hearts that are actually filled with the rich spiritual and supernatural truths about the teaching, the ministry, and the redeeming purpose of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Perhaps the disciples are starting to truly see as Peter confesses that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, in chapter 8, verse 29. However, what we find out quickly is that Peter, along with his fellow disciples, have no real comprehension in their lives as they, as to how they are to live 
believing in the fact that Jesus is the Christ. So in this crucial section, Jesus is going to teach those disciples. He's going to train them and live before them what it means to be his disciple, his follower in his kingdom and in his church. And we also, he's going to tell them and teach them about what the cost of discipleship will demand and look like. In light of Christ's intention with the disciples throughout this section, it is clear that the identity of Christ in his journey up to Jerusalem, the meaning and the cost of being disciple is not penetrating the disciples' hearts. Their eyes, their hearts are like the first touch of the blind man at Bethsaida. If you recall that, if you look back at chapter 8, verse 24, that blind man, when he first was touched by Christ, he saw people that, but they looked like trees walking. For the disciples, they have a blurred they still have a vague, they still have a hazy understanding as what it means to be a disciple. And that penetrates this whole second section of Mark's gospel. Then God's providence places Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, before Jesus as they leave Jericho which is about 18 miles northeast of Jerusalem, about one day's journey. Interestingly, what has been absent for two chapters concerning the disciples, we will find in this incredible story about Bartimaeus. In Bartimaeus, not the disciples, comes the apex the high point of Christ's instruction about discipleship. Again, this is the last miracle that Mark records. And Bartimaeus is the only person that is healed in Mark's gospel that is named. His name has profound significance with respect to the progressive revelation of Jesus' journey here to Jerusalem. His name means son of honor, son of worthy one. His name is related to one's economic and social status at this time in history. Simply put, his name indicates that he is at the top, at the top of the social economic ladder. Is this not interesting? Are you seeing the irony here? This man has a name that places him at the top of the economic social ladder, and yet he is a blind beggar sitting by the roadside as one who is blind and begging. Society would at this time 
view him among the poorest and the lowest of society. His life is the absolute opposite to what his name means. He is desperately poor and not one who is wealthy. Suddenly, Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus heard that it is Jesus of Nazareth that was exiting Jericho and his disciples with his disciples in a great crowd. And he cried out the Greek word here is shout. He screamed, Jesus, son of God, have mercy on me. Verse 47. This is an extraordinary statement of revelation out of the mouth of a blind man. Out of the mouth of a blind man. This is the first time in Mark's gospel that we are told that Jesus is in the line of David. Did you hear that? This is the first time. This blind man is the first to proclaim that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Davidic rule over the kingdom of God. And furthermore, do not miss this, Bartimaeus' plea is that David's rule in Jesus be demonstrated with merciful, compassionate service to the needy. Jesus is coming to serve, not to be served. Although blind, Bartimaeus provides this true identity of Jesus. That is, Jesus is the one who fulfills the Davidic covenant of kingship. Surely, by, solely by God's revelation within him, who is blind outwardly. His blind flesh does not reveal Jesus' identity. But God's enlightened revelation in his heart identifies Jesus as David's son to this man. See how the Holy Spirit has already grabbed this man. But as Bartimaeus shouts out the identity of Jesus and pleads for compassion upon himself, many rebuked <laughs> If you're reading the text, they admonished him, telling him to be silent, verse 48. The Greek here has the meaning of sternly ordered. The rebuke of those within the crowd strongly demands that the blind man basically be silent. Don't say anything. <laughs> Ironically, it's the same Greek word in which Christ rebukes demons and the stubborn, his stubborn disciples along the path. This time, however, some in Christ's crowd are demanding silence of the blind beggar about the true identity that Jesus, the son of David, and, they, and his plea for mercy... 
How does Bartimaeus respond to the demand of silence? This is interesting. <laughs> Are you noticing the text? He cried out, he screamed, and he shouted again. Then the text points out to a greater degree. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Verse 48. Congregation, are you hearing? Are you hearing this desperate voice living in agony who wants the consummation of faith with eyes that fully see? Is that registering in your heart? Furthermore, Christ will not allow such a voice of faith to bypass his presence. Jesus hears his desperate scream, voicing his identity and cry for compassion. And he tells the people, call him, call him. Verse 49. Yes. Jesus tells the people to call him. Are you seeing the personal application that Christ is putting before us? Those involved in rebuking him are now told by Christ to call him to the presence of Christ. Yes, this segment of the crowd is suddenly acting, note this, acting as servants. As last, in order that Bartimaeus may be first. They are bringing him, they are bringing him like a child to Jesus. Instead of cutting out their own eye for their sinful rebuke of the blind beggar, they are keeping their two eyes intact so that they and Bartimaeus can enjoy the coming of the final eschatological vertical kingdom of God in Jesus Christ. These people plead with Bartimaeus. Note the text there in verse 49, the sudden change. They say, take heart. <laughs> Get up. Christ is calling you. The two imperatives here, take heart, get up, are packed with Christ's act of intention. To Bartimaeus, the words carrying the force of having the confidence and the assurance of being restored. Christ is calling this desperate blind beggar to have the confidence and the assurance of having his sight restored. Do you want to see the assurance and confidence of faith in Christ in action? Many of us have the question about the assurance of faith. Do you want to see it in action in the biblical text in a person? Is your heart open to see that and be a ministry to your own heart? 
Do you want to see faith without unbelief charging forward? Bartimaeus throws off his cloak, sprang up, and came to Jesus. Verse 50. He comes to Jesus on his own. Notice in this context, as he comes to Jesus, the crowd is not mentioned. The crowd is now absent. It is a covenantal gospel bond only between Christ and Bartimaeus. Saving faith is only secured between Christ and the repentant sinner. Bartimaeus' action is described with incitement and enthusiasm. He is removing his cloak to throw it away. He leaps with force and vigor to come to Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, the cloak is a treasured possession for a beggar. Please note this. Please listen. It would represent all his Worldly possessions. His only means of livelihood. Are you seeing the power of the gospel of discipleship in this man? Grasp, I beg you, in terms of the text and the flow of Mark's gospel, grasp the connection. Just as Jesus is about to enter Jerusalem, we are confronted with the absolute opposite of the wealthy young man. Remember him? Who could not give everything to the poor and follow Jesus. Here is Bartimaeus. At the very bottom of the poverty line, throwing away, throwing away his only possession of worldly wealth to follow Christ. To follow Christ. In remembrance of Christ's own disciples. It is the equivalent of casting aside their nets for fishing and following Jesus. Herein, Bartimaeus casts away his cloak and follows Jesus. But Bartimaeus' casting away his cloak is a deeper, richer act than the disciples casting away their nets. The disciples casting aside their nets has a self-righteous ring in comparison. Do you remember the wealthy young man? If you forget, go back and look at 1028 in this very chapter. We left everything to follow you. The disciples are still thinking of themselves, their own arrogance. These disciples are still demonstrating the hardness of their hearts, wanting positions of glory 
verse 37 of this text. Bickering with one another, verse 41 of chapter 10. Bartimaeus is crying out as one who is last. Who is last? As one who lived his life with the disability of the impossibility of ever being able to see. He's crying out for mercy, compassion to the one who has come to serve and not be served. To one who understands his identity as a slave to all. The faith that resides in this poor blind beggar is this. Hearing that Jesus is coming. His faith shouts. It screams with the affirmation that all things are possible with God. Chapter 10, verse 27. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of David, is here who is the assurance of faith unto seeing kingdom glory. If you're having any trouble seeing the contrast between Bartimaeus and the disciples, then carefully note verse 51 in the text. Jesus asks the same question to Bartimaeus that he asked James and John in this chapter looking up at verse 36. What do you want me to do for you? James and John, focusing upon their prestige and ego, want to be on Christ's right and left hands in glory. Chapter 10, verse 37. In contrast, the blind man, and notice here in our text, the text says, blind man. Doesn't use the term at this point, Bartimaeus. Says the blind man, because he needs the impossible now. He needs sight. He says, Rabbi. And we got to stop right there. Because the blind man uses the Aramaic term for, the, for rabbi and teacher. Which stresses... The blind man is submitting himself to Jesus as his personal teacher of the Jewish scriptures. Where's your personal relationship with Christ as you read the scriptures? The Greek term for rabbi and teacher as opposed to the Aramaic term as used by James and John back there in 1035 does not express the strong relationship, the strong personal relationship with a teacher. 
The Greek term just is a reference to Jesus as a teacher. Like any other teacher. Not a personal gripping relationship. Note the blind man's request. It is not prestige. It is not a place of honor. Remember what his name means? Son of honor. Rather, let me recover my sight. He is focusing upon his own ability to see in verse 51. Notice the personal. Me, my sight. And then Jesus responds by focusing on him personally. Personally. That personal relation. Go your way. Your faith has made you well. Verse 52. Immediately, there's Mark's word. <laughs> he was able to see and his way became the way of following Jesus. You are to be seeing the double meaning. The recovery of physical sight is pointing to a faith that now sees understands and rests upon Jesus of Nazareth, son of David, as the promised Messiah for salvation. All things are possible with God, especially the free gift of saving faith which in Mark's gospel, don't miss this story, which in Mark's gospel is epitomized in Bartimaeus. In this story of Christ healing, there is no double touch. No double touch. No double touch is needed to restore his sight. In fact, Jesus just heals him. His sight is restored immediately by a faith that rests upon Jesus alone as the object of his faith. As we are ready to enter into Jerusalem, in Mark's narrative, it is Bartimaeus and not the disciples who are the essential representative of the element of living by faith in Christ and walking the path of discipleship, the life of self-denial. He is ready to follow Christ to the cross into the age to come, eternal life. How about you? Where 
is your life of faith in following Christ. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we are clear that faith is a gift by the Holy Spirit unto us, applying the benefits of the Lord Jesus Christ. But we also are clear that the Lord Jesus Christ is the one who tells to us that we must believe, open our hearts Do not allow our hearts to quench the Holy Spirit in terms of that precious gift and give to us a faith that actually sees Jesus as he truly is. We ask, O Lord, that we would walk by faith. In Christ's name, amen.